thank you for that. Wonderful. And aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus? Washed as white as snow and without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins. I'm glad that our, our Lord was a worthy sacrifice and, and uh, thanks for the, appreciate that Jewel, great hype up for this morning and uh, felt like we should have uh, had an invitation after that message but glad that um, we, can, uh, we can open the Word of God this morning and I hope that you've uh, prepared your heart as we get into the Word of God today. Let's uh, turn again to Joshua chapter 7 this morning and is it, hasn't it been a, a bit of a weird season of sickness you know, it just, it just seems like, I think someone told me you get, you get three for the price of one with this one. And uh, this week, a little bit of that came about again within, in the family. And um, a weird thing, I woke up on Thursday morning and my right eye just had swollen shut. And I woke up and it just had no reason. It, it felt like I walked, uh, I was in bed and uh, Jaden walks in. He looks at me and he goes, Dad, you look like Quasimodo. <laughs> and, uh, you know, aren't you, aren't you glad for the encouragement of children? And, uh, I mean, it was accurate, all right. It just, he was telling the truth there. But, um, you know, praise the Lord. That's why I'm wearing glasses this morning. Some of you didn't recognize me this morning. And, uh, but just, uh, usually I wear contacts, but I just thought, you know, I'm not going to risk another, uh, just a further infection or whatever it is. And now you all want to just stay away from me today. But uh, Joshua chapter 7, and we read the, the passage of Scripture there already. And what we see and what we, we read there is really a resounding defeat. And you think about the, the, the history of the nation here that had just entered into the promised land after sojourning through the wilderness for those 40 years. And they had gone in and they were to conquer the land. They were to make conquest of the land. And what we read here is, is what we see is a, a resounding defeat uh, at the hand of Ai. And, you know, we, we look at that and, and in verse 5 we, we see how, how disappointing this defeat is. We, we know the, the, great, uh, the great encouragement of, of victory is. And, you know, uh, no doubt uh, as part of your conversations this morning, many of you, you were talking about the Matildas last night, how they won and how exciting that is. But how different would the atmosphere be? If we lost, right? We'd just be, no one would be talking about it or we'd be whinging about the ref, all right? But that's usually what happens when, when there's a defeat. There's a, there's, a, there's a sense of loss, obviously, and much more when it actually matters. You know, people lost their lives at the Battle of Ai. And the Bible says about that that, that the, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. They were so discouraged and they were so, uh, they were so uh, at a loss about everything that their hearts had melted. And, and, and yet what we find here is that, that they approached this time and there were some things that were unseen. And they didn't realize that coming into this battle that Achan had sinned and because of that God's anger was kindled upon them. And they went into this battle unknown to them that there was, uh, they were at a great disadvantage already. And, and you know, I, I began to think about just the, the fact that they must have come into this battle, and, and, you know, it was already mentioned there that in verse 2, and Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, and, and what a stark contrast that is, the experience that they had in Jericho. 
Now, if we can refresh our minds this morning, Jericho was the first battle that they faced uh, as they entered into the promised land. And in fact, it was, a, it, was a, uh, it, was, it was an intimidating and daunting city to, uh, to come across to. They just got there and then this, this mega city with walls so thick they couldn't even really fathom how they were built. And they saw this and they were immediately intimidated. And yet what we did find about that is God did a great miracle And God wrought a great victory. And so it's in that context that they come to Ai now. And they they realize that in comparison to Jericho, Ai wasn't such a big city. In fact, then they did the same thing. It was was the reconnaissance uh, had gone in there to spy out the land a little bit to see what it was like. And they came back with a report, unlike Jericho, where they said it was intimidating and so forth and and they did all of that. And even if you think about the spies that were sent from, uh, from, from Moses, those, the, those 10 that came back with a bad report, these came back with a recognition that this wasn't such a big deal. You know, in comparison to Jericho, this was a small city. In fact, we shouldn't send all of our soldiers. We should just send a couple of them, a, 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 a percentage of them to go. And, and the, the Bible tells us they returned to Joshua in verse 3 and said unto him, let not all the people go up, and let, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and smite Ai. See, so it's not worth sending all of us. It's not worth us all going and you know, making, uh, making the effort and, and laboring to do that because it really it's a small city. But unknown to them, they were disadvantaged. And you know, many times in, in life, God gives us experiences, doesn't he? You know, we experience the highs and lows of life. And, and, you know, someone once said that experience is the greatest teacher. And, and we, can, we can say that, you know, experience is a good thing. You know, there's certain experiences that are life-changing. There are certain experiences that now we take into the next uh, portions of our lives and they inform us of, of how we are to go about things. Inform us about, uh, about the, the different ways and different processes perhaps and maybe even the different results that come about because of a certain experience. And we know that experience in a positive sense can give us great encouragement, but experience in a negative sense can give us a bit of pause to think. And sometimes in the negative experiences of life, it, it sometimes can hinder us from, from taking on new things or taking on some things that we ought to, by faith, uh, c- come into and then conquer perhaps, but, but, you know, sometimes the most dangerous type of experience we have is experience of success. Sometimes when, we, when we're getting used to seeing victory and seeing good and seeing us furthering in, in whatever area of our lives, maybe even in the spiritual realm, we can get complacent a little bit and we can get into a mode that we know what it's about, that we can go into it and go, you know, it's not so big of a deal now. And I think this is what happened in the life of the Israelites here as they got to the second city now. This wasn't their first rodeo, so to speak. They had just conquered Jericho, the, 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 probably the mightiest city in Canaan at that point. They had come in and they had seen God do a great thing. But, you know, in, in their mind, the next city wasn't such a big deal. And they approached it. They approached it forgetting some things that, that actually God had 
taught them through their experience in Jericho. And I would agree this morning that that experience is a good teacher. And that experience can, can be a good barometer for future success. Experience, though, I want to tell you this morning, can't be the only thing and isn't the only necessary part of our forming as people. It's not the thing that, the, the only thing that will carry us forward. And you know, the, I look around the room and there's many people who have different experiences. There's ex- different experience levels here. There, there are those you've been very well established in the faith and you've got a, a whole heap of experience to share with others and that's a good thing. And I want to encourage our young people here, if you're going into a next season of your life, Seek out someone else who've already, who's already walked through that experience. That's a good thing. It's good for us to gain counsel. It's good for us to understand some things that maybe we never understood before. But I want to also warn those who, who probably you, you've been down the road a little bit and you've gotten a lot of experience and there's a lot of things God's already taught you that, that that's not all that you need though. That, that experience isn't, it can't be your only teacher. That, that, that just by going by experience, you're not going to immediately succeed in the next thing. And, and that's the lessons that they learned from Jericho is that actually experience is a good teacher, but it, it only goes to a point. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Says, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and, wa- and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And, and I'm saying, be thankful for the experiences that God has given you, both good and bad. It produces certain things in our lives, but, but it's actually more a result than anything else. It, God does that for us, but we've got to take heed to not only rely on what we've previously seen and done. We've got to temper that experience with the realization that actually God's going to bring us along the way. And sometimes there's going to be things that experience hasn't taught us yet. There's going to be things that we're going to have to be, be a, a, a little bit discerning about going forward. And you know, sometimes when, when you experience a little bit of success and you experience a little bit of, of well, it, it just came along and it got done, we can get bogged down and sometimes even fool ourselves into thinking that that's all we need. That that's all it's about. You know, I, I remember just, uh, just the, the first day we had Vicky and, and we were excited, obviously being our new parents. We were parents for the first time. And just remember, she was a, a, very, uh, she was a, a very easy baby, actually. You know, she just, she just would sleep. And she was, she was, she was very, uh, very much on schedule. And we just adored her, obviously, and the way she was. And, and, and you know, we, we came with that experience of, you know, this parenting thing, it's really not that hard. <laughs> and, and my wife just looked at me like, that's your experience, you know. <laughs> but I remember then having our second child, Malachi. And who knows, who understands that each child is different? If you're saying that, it's because you've had more than one child, right? Because each child is different. And not saying that we, didn't, we, we love Malachi less, but he was a bit of a different child in, his, in the way he was and the way he had to be. And, and we've learned then again on, for our third one that 
they're just all different. And, and sometimes because we've had a good experience in the first place, doesn't mean that we can't, there's not further things to learn along the way. Doesn't mean that it's just going to be a repeat, rinse, repeat, and, and do it again. And you know, sometimes we, uh, we, we're so reliant on experience that when something else happens, it throws us for a loop. It, it throws us into a, a bit of a cycle of what went wrong. And, and what we see in, this portion of, in these portions of Scripture today is really a warning to us not to take what's ahead lightly. It's a warning to us that sometimes there's things that are unseen that experience hasn't taught us yet. And what we find even further as, as they learnt this lesson in AI, go, go to Joshua chapter 9 now. And so they've now built up a bit of a reputation for how they're going to conquer and how, how powerful their army was actually. In fact, the, the Bible tells us that God put the fear of them in every other nation. And they're going into now this time and look at verse, verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings which were on this side Jordan in the hills and in the valleys and all the coasts of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite heard thereof that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. So all of these, these tribes and nations came together realizing what a mighty force this army was becoming. And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did work wilily and went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles old and rent and bound up and old shoes, and clouded upon their feet, and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua unto the camp at Gilgal, and said unto him and to the men of Israel, We be come from a far country, now therefore make ye a league with us. So they, they worked wilily, the Bible says. They, they went with the intention to deceive. They, these men had a plan. They knew that this was a mighty army, and, and there was no doubt they were an intimidating force. And so they went and they, they, they tried to make a, a scene of themselves, they presented themselves a certain way. And they went with the attitude that they're going to make a league with, with these, these Israelites. Notice verse 7, The men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure you dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye? And from whence come ye? And they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come. Because of the name of the Lord thy God, for we have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and to Og. And they're rehearsing all of these things that they had done. And then Joshua looks at them. Joshua sees the moldy bread, the, the, the old clothes that they wore. And, and to Joshua, this made all sense. They were from our far country. They, they're not in the area, perhaps, that we were looking to conquer. And notice, go, skip down to verse 14. And the men took their victuals. So they accepted and asked, and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them to let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them. Now, here again, they, they were things that they didn't know. Here again, there were things that, that made sense. Rather than fighting the battle, 
rather than going into this with all of our resources and our efforts, why not take a little bit of a shortcut and take this deal that we're being offered? I mean, look at, look at how they're presented. Look at how, look, they, they must have traveled such a distance if they were wearing, imagine the, the, the raggedy clothes that they were wearing and the moldy bread and the moldy uh, victuals, that, 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 sorry, vessels that they had, and they were fooled into thinking that this was a good deal. And their experience, again, of, of battles, perhaps of the weariness of the battle, made them think that, you know what, rather than going through what we're supposed to do, let's just get around it because this, this seems to be a good deal for us. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes we're offered something and, and it just sounds like and it seems like and, and from experience we make a decision and we better be careful that we approach those times and have this uh, let our guard down a little bit and we better be careful to then just go ahead and just thoughtlessly go through with it. And, and what happened was they, they found themselves in a compromise with these Gibeonites. They were fooled. They were deceived. You know, how many times do we uh, at times get deceived with something that just seems too good to be true? Yeah, you know, I... I I remember just uh, going, going to New York City, and I probably told this story before, but um, we were out and about, you know, it was sort of like the boys' last hurrah. We were, all, we were all getting married within that year, and so we went, and, you know, against the advice of our soon-to-be fiancés who knew we were meant to be saving money, we went to New York City, right? So we had a great time, by the way. But we were out, and, and it was late as New York City usually is. It's a city that never sleeps. We were out late and we were just walking around and I, suddenly I heard, I heard this call out. They said, Calvin Klein, you know, Hugo Boss suits, $20. And I thought, I have $20. I want a Calvin Klein suit. So I went over there and it was, it was the street side stall. You know, I thought, oh, the shops are closed. Maybe they're just having their sale outside. And so I went there, I tried, tried to suit on. It fit Gave the guy 20 bucks, and I walked away thinking, bargain of my life. And I was proud of it. I thought, you know, I'm going to wear this suit this following Sunday. And uh, we were visiting a, a church, uh, church friends of ours in the, the neighboring state of New Jersey. And I thought, I'm going uh, to wear that suit, and um, they're going to be impressed with me. You know, I bought this suit in New York City. But that next morning, it was a, that was a Friday night, that Saturday, I, I thought, oh, I better look at the suit I got. And I looked at it. And there was no Calvin Klein label. And it was dirty. It had blood stains on here. And, I, you know, sometimes in the light of day you see things. But in the moment you get carried away. In the moment without really considering what is around and what could be, we can get carried away. Why? Because sometimes our experiences, both good and bad, inform us. And I've never been duped in buying a suit before. And then again, I've never bought a suit on the streets of New York. And sometimes we can go about and get carried away with, with some things that sound too good to be true. And we can go into and we can rely on experience to sort of just be our guide and, and, our, and the way we make decisions. But, but we've got to be careful that we go about and we just go through and we think that experience is all that it takes. You know, I, I was coming into this time and... and, and as you know, this is our church. This is my second pastorate. 
and God has allowed me to have some experiences of my first pastorate that I, I, I've gathered and I've learned some lessons. But, you know, every church is different. And I remember just sitting and, and reading through this passage of Scripture as we were preparing to head over here, and God warned me about some things that, you know, just because you've experienced something before doesn't mean that it's just going to be cut and paste into the next one. That, that, that just because there's experiences that I've taught you, it doesn't mean that that's just the experiences that that's all that you're going to need. And, and here's what I'm saying this morning. You know, experience is a good teacher, but it shouldn't be our only teacher. In fact, ongoing, experience has to be paired with some things. And that's what we learn as we think about their experiences here, as we look in the scriptures. And well, firstly, I want to tell you that experience... It needs to be paired with spiritual sensitivity. And that's, what it, that's what's going to lead us into the future. You know, experience without spiritual sensitivity leads us to underestimate what is ahead. And that's what they did. They underestimated AI. Why? Because they weren't spiritually sensitive to the cause that was happening uh, that they didn't see, the, the sin of Achan. Experience without spiritual sensitivity leads us to underestimate what's ahead. And if you go back, look at Joshua chapter 2. Look at Joshua chapter 2. And notice the, the preparation that they had as they approached Jericho. And you know, sometimes we get carried away with the result. And that's the experience that we glean to. We forget about the process that it takes. You know, we, we, we think the result is what's important. The result for Jericho was that they were victorious, but the process was important. Look at Joshua chapter 2, look at verse 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And so he went and he sent some men to go and spy out the land, even Jericho. They come back and they make that report. And... and, and we see that they had done that. We see that for AI, they, they sent men to go and, and spy out AI. But notice what else God tells them to do. Look at chapter 3. Look at chapter 3 now. So they cross, they, they cross over, to the, over the Jordan. Joshua in verse 1 rises early in the morning and they removed from that place and came to Jordan. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people saying... When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then she shall remove from your place and go after it. They were about to experience a miracle. They were about to experience great victory in the new land that God's called them to. Notice verse 5. And Joshua said unto the people, Notice this, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. You know what he had called for? He had called, called for about a, a bit of evaluation of where they were at with the Lord. He said, sanctify yourselves. He said, set yourselves apart. He says, make sure you're clean. Make sure that those things that are in your heart that, that no one else knows about, you confess that before the Lord and you get right because tomorrow God's going to do wonders. And he was looking with that obstacle of the Jordan and the obstacle of Jericho that they had already spied out and he understood how intimidating, he understood how difficult it would be. And because of that, he got himself on guard and ready to go. And it was the preparation of that that actually was the key. 
And you know, what we find is, is this, this dynamic between big and small. You know, the big, the big tasks of life often bring us to a, a place of humility and preparation and getting things right before the Lord. Why? Because we know it's intimidating. Because we know that it's going to take a little bit more. It's going to take a little bit of God's working in our lives. But you know the small things in life? You know the small things in life that we think, oh, that's easy, I can handle that. Sometimes we go into it, and you know the the Bible tells us it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. Sometimes it's the small things that undo us. And we could approach it and we could have avoided it, uh, avoided certain things if we were just spiritually sensitive in the moment. But you know, they, what they found was Joshua, as a leader, came in uh, with the mindset that this battle wasn't as serious as Jericho, whom they conquered. This wasn't a time for them to sanctify. I mean, it's just AI. It's just a small city. I mean, we don't even have to send all of our men. It's just, just take two or 3,000 of our troops. Let's just get it done, Joshua. And he came along and he wasn't spiritually sensitive in that moment. In fact, this was their second city. So, I mean, if Jericho was difficult, this can't be as difficult. Well, what they forgot was, was in, the, in the first place, they were spiritually sensitive to the Lord. You know, you, you think about even the battle plan for Jericho. The whole battle plan for Jericho was pretty ridiculous when you think about it. Right, you're not going to find it in any, any kind of army manual. They marched around the city silently for seven days. And then they, they, went, they went seven times the last day and they shouted really loudly and the walls fell. You know whose plan that was? It wasn't Joshua's plan. It wasn't the prince's plan. It wasn't his general's plan. It was God's plan. And they had to be sensitive to the Lord for his leading and they had to be sensitive to his instruction and they had to be sensitive in their, in their standing before God to by faith obey him and by faith follow him. But you know, AI, it wasn't that way. AI wasn't so big. AI just didn't seem to be as intimidating and, and because of that, they didn't realize the hidden sin that was in their midst. And you know what got to them? I think a bit of pride got to them. And you know, a bit of pride can get into our hearts when we see a little bit of success. We forget that actually it was probably God's doing. And it was probably because we did it God's way. And often the, those hidden sins of pride and, and we don't suddenly start to rely on God as much as we used to and and even if it was just a small sin, and even if it was just a small thing where we're off kilter with the Lord, it can make all of the difference. It can severely affect our effectiveness for the Lord. You know, I see it so often, and I see it in my own heart at times. You, you know, this year, uh, it's 20 years in the ministry. I've preached I don't know how many times now. And, you know, sometimes we, I can come to this pulpit and I'm just being transparent with you and, and just go through and go, you know, I've done it before. Yeah, how many times have I preached? And that could be my pep talk. And it could have been just that. And I just sometimes have to go back to that sense that I used to, that, that I had when I first started preaching of trembling before God and making sure things are right. 
and getting on my knees and, and understanding that I need God, that I need His leading and that I need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in my own heart and, and those things that, that, that I learned that were the process of it, not the result of it, is more important. I just need to be sensitive to the Lord. You know, many times we approach life a little bit that way. We've gained some experience and we know what to do. We know, we know that if we do this, then probably likely the result is this. And if we're not careful, we're doing it in our own strength, in our own power. And then sometimes God brings us to an epic failure to just remind us, no, 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 you need me. You don't need the experience. You don't need the victory. You know, too many times, too many times we get into Sometimes the, the, the way Samson had a mindset that, you know, he's just going to shake himself like other times and he wist not that the Lord was no longer with him, had departed from him. And we can go and we can just, just live the Christian life in motion, live the Christian life in the experience that we have and we're no longer sensitive like we should. You know, there's two benefits to spiritual sensitivity. Firstly, it guards against self-reliance. Hey, listen, there's a great danger when we start to rely on ourselves. There's a great danger when we think that we know it and we think what it, we know it's about. You know, I just remember just uh, one of the, the big, the big uh, ministries that God's allowed me to have is our youth camp ministry. And we had one this year, a, a fantastic time that we had. And I remember that in, in 2009, I was just newly married and we were just getting into the, the year and we had to move, we decided that year because we got married in January that we were going to move our youth camp to winter. We we're going to have our first winter camp. But you know, by that time I had done several youth camps. And we had everything. We had the fantastic theme. We had our, our, uh, our, our youth ministry team that had gone through it with me. They, they knew what to do. We had a, a great program. We had a good speaker, a good friend of ours, Fraser Young, was our speaker that year. He had done our youth camp several times. We had, we had uh, put together the, uh, a great set. Like, uh, uh, our stage looked like it just, it just was a movie set. It just was fantastic. The kids walked in and their minds were blown. And we had all of that because we knew the ingredients we thought. But I remember that night... It was our first night, and usually, if you know, youth camp, a little bit opening night, it's just when it's on, you can, you can tell. <laughs> and the Spirit of God should have been working, but, you know, we went through the motions of that. We sung the songs. We played the games. We had the preacher. He got up, started preaching, and we had an altar call, and only one person came. And, you know, I was a bit shocked by that, so I just sort of went up to the guy, he, was, he, he didn't even get to the altar, he got to the front row, and he was reading his Bible. I thought, that's a good sign, at least one person. And I, got, I sat next to him and I said, hey, you know, what did the Lord do in your heart tonight? He looked at me and goes, ah, nothing, I'm just studying for the quiz. And I was just like, wow. You know, we had got carried away with the, with the peripherals of camp. We forgot, actually, we need God's blessing. And I remember that night, you know, I, I sat with my, my fellow youth uh, camp director. He was, uh, Mark Tossel was, was part of the, the, the work there. And so we sat together that night and said, what is happening? 
And, it, you know, when we recounted today, other things had happened that in the background we didn't realize. And, and it was just the Lord reminding us, you know, you could have everything else and it could all seem the right. And because you, you know it all, you think that that's all you need. And then we got on our faces that night and we just prayed through the night. And I'll tell you, God flicked a switch the next day. And you know what? Sometimes we go through life and we think, we think we're just going through it. And yeah, it might even not be disastrous. But you know what we become? We become self-reliant. We've just relied on our own understanding. Hey, doesn't the Bible tell us that? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to your own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. There's too much leaning on our own understanding. And you know what? Uh, spiritual sensitivity, it guards us against self-reliance. But then secondly, it gives God opportunity to redirect. Because I can't help but think about how much God could have redirected if in that moment as they approached Ai, and as they approached, as those Gibeonites approached them, how differently God could have could have done some for them in in their in that time if they had just stopped and been sensitive to the Lord. How much, how how easily could it have been that God would have revealed the sin of Achan if they had just stopped and and just asked God to just lead them and 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 have some sensitivity. And so many times God could uh, redirect us and maybe even help us avoid disasters and, and failures in our lives if we're just sensitive to Him. I, I think we ought to have the heart of Samuel, who Samuel as a young child there as he slept in the, the temple. How many times the Lord called to him, Samuel, Samuel, and you know how many times God's trying to get our attention and we're just not sensitive to the Lord. I think about Abraham, how he went up to sacrifice Isaac and how right there, right in the moment as, as Abraham was ready to plunge that knife into his own son's heart, God calls out and he stops. And I wonder how sensitive we are to the Lord. I wonder how sensitive we are to his voice and to his leading. I wonder if, if we go through and yes, we have the experience and yes, we, we understand how certain things work, but I wonder if we'd be sensitive enough for God to redirect us in the moment so that we might avoid some failure and disaster in our life. Or do we just go ahead and rely on our own understanding? And you know, experience without spiritual sensitivity leads us to underestimate what is ahead. But then secondly, as we learn about the Gibeonites, you know what experience needs to be paired with, it needs to be paired with the Lord's leading. Because experience without counsel from the Lord leads us to compromise situations. And, and that's what the Bible emphasized there for us in, in Joshua chapter 9. Notice what, what the Bible says in verse 14, And the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. You know, how, how, many, how many things would we avoid if we just took the time to pray, if we just took the time to seek God. And, and you know the, what this was? This, this was sight versus faith. The, from a sight point of view, it made sense. From, from, from the optics, it just made all sense in the world. From, from what they had gathered, the facts were these. 
But the facts weren't these. There was something else. There was something amiss here. And the Lord needed to lead them through this. And yet what they did was they just decided. They decided without understanding what God's mind on it was. And this time experience of battles fought and the weariness of that and the work involved in the labor, it was set aside perhaps for an opportunity to just take a little bit of a breather, a bit of a shortcut. The, the alarming thing about this is, is what the Bible notes. They, they went through that and they didn't ask counsel from the Lord. They understood some things that they thought. They, they, they thought that these men were from a far country. They thought that they were being honest. They thought that they had done all of these, their due diligence to understand the situation and to avoid a battle, they just went ahead and made league with them. You know what happened? They didn't ask counsel from the Lord. You know, how many times again do we, do we approach some things and it's just a bit of a no-brainer? You know, sometimes we joke around and we say, well, that's such a good deal, no need to pray about that. And we can go and we can in our own wisdom and understanding, once again, lead ourselves and lead with, with, with the, the short-sightedness of sight and not go with faith and, and understanding those things that are invisible. And the, the danger is when experience isn't mixed with counsel from the Lord, our, our own counsel can lead us astray. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 19, 21, there are many devices in a man's heart. But the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. There's many times where we just, there's the many devices that we have in our heart that the desires, the, the ambitions and the experiences and those things lead us and those things make and determine our decisions and, and yet what should stand is what the Lord counsels us to do. You know, there's two benefits of of counsel from the Lord, firstly, that we see, it helps us avoid unseen compromise or consequences. There's always unseen things. And at times when we assume something's straightforward or, or give us a, a, a shortcut, we're falling for a trap. And this was that opportunity that was too good to be true. And what we need is we need the, the counsel from the Lord. We need to get in the Word of God and we need to see the patterns and the ways of God and we need to get God's mind on certain things and we need to just rely on the counsel that He would give us. And, you know, many times we'll, uh, we'll look at a situation and it doesn't seem to be any harmful or any, uh, any consequence at all or there's no danger in that. But sometimes there's the hidden dangers. And, you know, we can, we can, we can choose without fully seeing. We can make choices without fully understanding. And really, secondly, it not only helps us avoid unseen compromise or consequences, but it just helps us not fall for deception. You know, we, well, we live in a world that is full of deception. We live in a world that things just look, seem to look innocent enough. It seemed to be a good deal. Seem to just, you know, it just seems to be harmless and we've got to be careful you know the bible tells us in ephesians 5 6 let no man deceive you with vain words for because of these things cometh the wrath of god upon the children of disobedience 
you know, we can be deceived into disobedience. You know, we could, we could look at that and we could say, you know, that's a good deal. That, that will then in turn uh, bring us to a, a better place financially. That could bring us to a better place just in, a, in this situation or that situation. And we better be careful to understand it, that, that we need the counsel from the Lord. We have in this world deceivers and those that are, are deceivers in the world. And in fact, we know that the, the Bible tells us Satan is the father of lies. He's the great deceiver. And he can package things that come along our way that look right and seem right and seem innocent enough and seem harmless enough. And if we don't have the counsel from the Lord, we could fall for that trap. And suddenly we find ourselves deceived. You know what makes it worse? We have a heart that's desperately wicked and deceitful. You know, that we understood that there are many devices in a man's heart. And no doubt in Joshua's heart, his, his heart was just to avoid a conflict. His heart was just to maybe spare his men the labor. He, he saw that this, this was a, a good deal to take, but this was a great handicap that he was given. The, our own heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 7 that, that from within comes deceit. And we've got to, we've got to allow the counsel of the Lord to discern both right and wrong in our own hearts. And that's why it's so important to stay close to the Word of God. That's why it's so important to allow the Word of God to be the filter of our decision-making. Why the Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrows, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You know, we look at that and we think it's the thoughts and intents of others' hearts. Listen, it's sometimes it's the thoughts and intents of our own hearts that need to be divided. Because we can deceive ourselves. We can think we're right automatically. We can think that we have all that it takes. And we've got to allow the Word of God to divide between the, the intents and purposes of our own hearts. And we need the counsel of the Lord from His Word. We ought to commit our works unto the Lord and our thoughts will be established. We, we, need, to, uh, we need to get, uh, get an understanding from the Lord. Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man understand his own way, the Bible says. You know, experience, lastly, without the leading of God, it'll lead us to missing His will and blessing. I want to tell you that, that too many times, too many times God intends to bring us through a better way. But sadly, we trust in our own experience and trust just in that. You know, Joshua could have avoided all of the hurt and compromise if he had only partnered his experience with spiritual sensitivity and counsel. If only he had, he had relied on the leading of God. And the great cost in relying on experience alone is that we may miss God's blessing and God's will for our lives. You know, they, they missed the point of Jericho. Jericho was meant to be a pattern. But the pattern wasn't that they could do it. The pattern was this, they needed God. The pattern was they needed to sanctify. The pattern was they needed counsel from the Lord. And the pattern was this, they meant to follow God's plan. And God's, God's plan 
is this, it's our reliance on Him. And, and their, their reliance was the key. You know, the great cost in relying on ourselves is we miss out. And we cost ourselves. And God means to lead us to, through things and, and lead us through discernment and knowledge and understanding. But we've got to rely on Him. You know, I think about, again, Samuel. How often we're like Samuel, we get enamored with a success. And so when it comes to another choice, what do we do? We come with that filter. You remember when, when Samuel was told that, that Saul was no longer to be king. So God sends him to anoint another king and he goes to the house of Jesse. He sees the first one, Eliab, looked just like Saul. He was tall, strapping, just like Saul. And, and God called him and reminds him, Man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. And God, God had to lead Samuel through his choice. And you've got to allow God to sometimes put aside your experience and let him lead you instead. You know, I think about Moses. Moses who, you know, he, he, had, he was the meekest man as he led through and he led the, that nation that just whinged and whinged and whinged. And he was brought to situations where he had to, he had to uh, intercede for them and, and seek God for them. And you remember the first time they ran out of water, God told him to smite the rock. And you know what? Out of anger and frustration, Moses just went the automatic the second time and he smites the rock again. And God says, no, no, I told you to speak to it. And, you know, sometimes we can go into the automatic of what we've done before without clearly getting it from the Lord, without clearly understanding what God expects. And we can go and we can just go about, and sometimes that's what costs us at the end. You remember Peter? Peter was there and God says, you know, go cast out. And, and Peter looks at him and goes, We've been toiling all night. Now, what's Peter? Peter was a fisherman. Peter had fished there all of his life. Peter, in his own mind, understood. He had great experience for that. And he told God, no, you can't do it. <laughs> you imagine telling the God of heaven who created everything, no, you can't do it that way. That's what Peter did. He goes, I've toiled all night. But, you know, the good thing about Peter, at thy word, I will. And then a great multitude came. And you know what? Peter, thankfully, had enough sense to be at least a little bit led of the Lord. And too many times we just rely on experience to get us ahead. When I'm telling you, experience isn't enough. Experience is a great teacher, but the greatest teacher is the Holy Spirit in that moment. It's God's counsel for the moment. And we need to be led of the Lord. And you know, we're coming into a time... We're going to plan for things for next year. We're coming into a time where we've had a great reinstitution, a little bit of our, of our church anniversary. We're coming into times that it's starting to become familiar for our church. In October, we're going to have Vision Sunday. And then at the end of October, we're going to have Ministry Market where we're going to sign up for things. And you know what we can do? We can go, you know, I've done that before, so I'm going to just do the same thing again. 
you know, what we find in life, there's, there's a repetition of things, but, but what we need in life is not just to rely on the repetition of things, of experience. We need to rely on the Lord. That's the lesson of Jericho. The lesson of Jericho wasn't, well, it's easy to fight a battle. Well, we've won. And God might lead you to some success in life, and, and those are great, and we ought to praise God for that. But it doesn't mean that we just rinse, repeat, and do it again. <laughs> Sometimes it just takes a little bit of time to just be sensitive to the Spirit of God, to just remember to rely on Him, to remember that you need Him, and that reliance on Him is the great lesson. And you've come to a place maybe where you've had a lot of experience. I want to tell you, don't let your experience guide you alone. Allow God to lead you perhaps past unseen dangers and unseen compromise and lead you to the fullness of what He wants for your life. And maybe you've done things for Him. Maybe you've gone through. Maybe you're counseling. You know, you're counseling someone in something that you've seen before. Maybe you're going to give your advice. You know, you ought to pray that God gives you what's right for that person. Maybe God will give you understanding. You know, everyone's a little bit different. And just because you did it that way before doesn't mean you should do it that same way. You know how that you're going to arrive to that right decision? You're going to need to rely on the Lord. You're going to need to be, allow, pair your experience with His leading in your life and, and pair that experience with being sensitive to Him. And then I, I believe God will help us avoid things and then God will further us along as we journey for Him. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We want to thank you, dear Lord, that, Lord, you are a very present help. That, Father, Lord, even as, as your people, you, you dwell in us. That, Father, you've given us your word in our language today to, to be our counselor, to be the, the, the very thing that guides us, Lord, in our lives. And yet, Lord, in your, in, your, in your goodness, you give us lessons from experiences and lessons from, Lord, the, the, the ups and downs of life. I pray that you'd help us, dear God, to just pair that, Lord, with, the, with, with just a reliance on you, with a, with a day-to-day, moment-by-moment sensitivity to your leading in our lives. Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to just not take it for granted. But Lord, to, to guard that and Lord, then to, to see the, the different things ahead and to see it with the lens of our need for you. And I pray that you'd help each and every one of us this morning. We're just going to have a time of invitation.